my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me a hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Attention not-for-profit groups. Are you looking for a unique way to raise money? Stride Pro Wrestling fundraisers are always a hit. Since 2016, we've helped sports teams, schools, and civic groups raise thousands of dollars. Once COVID-19 restrictions are lifted, we'll be ready to rumble for you. Contact us to the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page to discuss the options. Hey friends, welcome to episode 386 of the My 123Cents podcast. I am Kevin Huntsperger and my co-host once again this week is Chad Smart who is joining us from the West Coast. And Chad, how are things uh, going in your world? Well, I guess probably a little bit better than they are in your world if our Snapchat uh, conversations are anything to be believed because it has been near 100 degrees the past few days out here, and you Jeez. told me it was snowing where you are. Uh, yes, the other day, uh, on that particular day, uh, we were getting snow flurries and a little bit of sleet in southern Illinois. Now, as we record this on Sunday... It is a beautiful blue sky out there, and it's probably a balmy 48 degrees right now, which I think the average around this time of year is uh, in the 60s, maybe even into the 70s. So, yeah, although I, I love summer, I don't know that I'd want it to be 100 degrees either. So, Right, yeah, it's a little too hot, but right now it is a nice breezy 61 degrees. Awesome. So it won't be too bad today. Well, now that we've got the weather updates in, you know, I originally I pitched this idea to you for this podcast because I was en route to Paducah, Kentucky, which is about an hour from where I am in southern Illinois, um, in pursuit of the latest product from the El Segundo Brewing Company, which does the Stone Cold Steve Austin beers. Uh, you know, a few years ago, we got the Broken Skull IPA, and then on 316 of this year, they released Broken Skull American Lager, which we saw Stone Cold Steve Austin drinking predominant or prominently uh, at both WrestleMania Saturday and WrestleMania Sunday. So uh, they don't distribute to Illinois, go figure. And so I, my options were to go to Kentucky or to Missouri, which are both about an hour drive. Well, Kentucky has an FYE in the mall, so I decided to go there because the last time I went to FYE, I found some really cool WWE swag. The New Day cereal, the bootios, and uh, some Christmas ornaments and some other stuff, some candy bars that were WWE themed. So, I decided to make the trek to Paducah. Long story short, I get to the two different liquor stores that that have it, the beer, or have the, the Austin beer, and to no avail, they don't have it. I had talked to them a few weeks ago and they said that it would be a few weeks because of distribution problems, whatever. So... Long story short, I was going to drink the, or I was going to do this episode while drinking this American Lager, but it's not going to happen. But we are still going to talk about. And Fye was a bust too. They had nothing other than a nine ninety nine book about Daniel Bryan that I did never had I've never even seen before. It was a paperback nope. book. Um, I was so frustrated and disappointed with the trip that I just came home and said, "Screw it." And we'll do an episode on nostalgia because I think that... Well, let me ask you a question yeah. real quick, Kevin. Let me interject. Can you send beer through delivery services? See, that's where it gets a little dicey because I've, I have contacted some um, brewers, some mm. uh, distributors, or not distributors, but some breweries. And they've said, no, oh, no, we can't send this, we can't send this. But... A couple of years ago, 
during the pandemic, and I don't know if it was different because of the pan or the height of the pandemic, um, I had reached out to one in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, that uh, does one. It was the Brett Hart inspired beer, and they actually shipped me a bottle of it. So I think it kind of depends on the distributor. Now, there is a, a liquor store near my parents' house in St. Louis that says that they have the beer. So I'm going to be up there Sunday for or next weekend for Easter. So uh, my intent is to find it and get it, and I've already got people who are requesting me to pick up some for them too. So, uh, right. but yeah, El Segundo. I, I think is it... because uh, yeah, I just did a search on the El Segundo Segundo website, and apparently the liquor store across the street from me has it. Oh really? Yeah. Well, that would have been perfect. We could have uh, you could have gone over there and gotten some. We could have drank, but you're not. I mean, you're not a big beer guy, right? Uh, no, I mean, and right now I'm not a. You know, I've had one drink in the last six months so um I'm, I'm back onto operation find my abs which is slowly slowly very slowly happening but yeah i yeah i'm not a big beer person especially an ipa yeah but i'm not about a lager so well now that keith hatton wants to kick my ass in the ring i i should really start looking for my abs or <laughs> working on my cardio so i can run away but uh I have cut back. I really, I have, I know it's kind of the running joke on Twitter with you and Jason Skull whenever I uh, check in a beer, but uh, yeah. So are you going to, when you wrestle, are you going to announce yourself as Kevin the Liquor Vicar Hunsberger? <laughs> I, sh I should, yes. I haven't done that in a while either. I need to uh... get you a nice robe that says hipster brew on the back. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You can be my uh, wardrobe person. Speaking of Stride Pro Wrestling, folks, uh, several shows coming up. Uh, go to our Facebook page to, to stay up to date, but April 22nd and 29th, we have fundraisers at a couple of different schools, and then May 21st, the big show uh, out at the Sioux Drive Center. So again, check out Stride Pro Wrestling uh, to stay up to date on that. But Chad, you know, I, I wanted to talk nostalgia with you because probably out of everyone that I know, you are probably... Uh, the most entrenched or the one who embraces the 80s the most uh, of everyone that I know. And that 80s style of wrestling, the music, the movies, uh, you know, all aspects of entertainment, I really, it's hard to argue that that wasn't the greatest era in our history. So, I wanted to talk to you about nostalgia, and I think, though, that you and I are going to have some opposing viewpoints and I, and that's what I, I really like about this as well because you know when we sit and agree and whatnot that's great but I, I really do want to get into your brain too and 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 kind of figure out what your thoughts are um, with Stone Cold Steve Austin specifically uh, making his return and and getting into the ring and actually wrestling you know we we I think we touched on it a little bit when we did the podcast last week, because we recorded after WrestleMania Saturday, but uh, we saw Austin return then again Sunday night for WrestleMania Sunday, along with 76-year-old Vince McMahon, who actually had a match as well. So I guess first and foremost, what are your thoughts overall of the two days of WrestleMania that we experienced? Uh, I, overall, I thought night one was better than night two. Um, I think making it two nights while well, well, making two four hour shows is better than one eight hour show, uh, as you and I have been to a couple of the eight hour shows. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just seems, and I think it may have been Jason Skull who commented on, on Twitter that, um, either him or, or Derek, I can't remember which one, but they, um, and I don't know Derek's last name, so. Yeah, I don't know it either. <laughs> um, but they, uh, you know, they said like, there's nothing, but there's a lot of non-specialness on WrestleMania now. And, you know, like I look at the Drew McIntyre versus, um, happy Corbin match, which I believe they have been fighting every single week since the beginning of January. And like that should have been on SmackDown, you know, that just, that other than Drew cutting the ropes, which I don't understand why <laughs> the show like, Oh look, my sword's really sharp. It's real. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's just a lot of stuff, even like the, the women's tag 
match I don't think was built up enough to to warrant a WrestleMania spot. And, and so there was stuff like that where WWE needs to do better with building matches instead of just recycling matches, in my opinion. And I know you and I had discussions offline about that, uh, the difference between like AEW and WWE, which we could do a whole nother podcast about. But I think overall, um, yeah, night two of Mania outside of Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville there wasn't anything memorable on night two for me. Uh, and as we'll get into the Vince McMahon portion was way too long and unnecessary. And I understand why they did it, but I, I think that, you know, you could have completely cut that out and still had the same show that you had. Well, let me, let me, we'll get to that in a second. Let me, let me go back to Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn. A lot of, a lot of people, Hated on it, but I also saw a lot of people who loved it and, and enjoyed it and enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, Sami Zayn even came out and tweeted about it and, and talked about what it meant to him and, and you know, uh, being a part of that. Now, I was never a Jackass fan, but, you know, I view wrestling like, you know, Eric Bischoff has said on his podcast, it's like a buffet or it's like the circus, you know. Not everybody's going to be into the Lion Tamer. Not everybody's going to want to see the clowns. Not everybody wants to see the tightrope walker. But there's something there for everyone. And I think that wrestling is that way a lot of the time, too. You know, I don't like, and we've talked about this before, I don't like the uh, deathmatch style at all. It's just not my cup of tea. I, You know, I, I, I avoid it, quite honestly. But I think it has its place, and, and there is obviously a, a big... Uh, fan base for it, and I was kind of the same way with Jackass, you know, I, I never watched it, you know, I guess by the time it came on, I was probably in my 20s already and kind of out of that phase, um, but I did think that the match was fun, and I, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I also didn't, you know, think that Sami Zayn had reduced himself uh, by participating in that match. He had a high-profile match on WrestleMania, and as you just stated, it was the most memorable thing of the night for you as a fan. So I would imagine there are other fans that felt that way as well. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I agree with you and Eric Bischoff about the variety in wrestling. And that's, you know, speaking of nostalgia, that's why I was such a huge fan of ECW back in the day is because they had a variety of matches, of match styles mm -hmm. on their shows. Whereas I feel especially with modern day WWE, it's very bland. It is, I mean, all they do, it's either, you know, the straight wrestling, which follows the same format every single match, or it's the comedy 24 seven stuff, mm -hmm. which you can also put into, I guess, the Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville match, which I mean, you know, and since we're talking nostalgia to me, that was a throwback match to the hardcore style matches that we got in the attitude era that yeah. you know, a lot of people enjoyed back then. Now, you know, the people that didn't like it now, is it just like you said, you know, maybe you're a little bit older, your taste have changed. Is it because it was a celebrity match and, and, you know, having a celebrity go toe to toe with, uh, you know, a wrestler is always questionable. Although, you know, I, I give WWE credit, at least in the last two years, as we've seen with Logan Paul this year and Bad Bunny last year, they're actually putting people in the ring that are somewhat athletic and mm -hmm. can go. Yeah. Um, and Johnny Knoxville, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be a, a you know, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat type match. And, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot of gaga with the jackass crew. But, yeah, I just... It, you know, and I think that's the thing is I wasn't expecting a, a actual wrestling match to happen. And so it lived up to um, the entertainment factor that I had hoped for. Yeah. And I'm with you. I, you know, I just watched the first three Jackass movies probably about five, six months ago for the first time. And and there I mean, there are some entertaining parts, but overall, I'm just like, I don't I don't get that. I don't know why this was popular when it was. 
but well, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because I just had to look it up because I, I didn't know. Johnny Knoxville is actually older than both of us, so, I you know, I, I don't know. I expected him to be a, a little bit younger, but, uh, yeah, I you know, like you said, different strokes for different folks. So what you're saying is he's raising the bar for your match with Heath at. Exactly. If I could get a giant hand and maybe a little person to come in and, and run interference for me, uh, I, I, I'll be you get a wee man, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about now the, the other big nostalgia pop of the night, and that's the Vince McMahon. You know, there had been speculation leading up to WrestleMania that Vince was going to be the opponent of Pat McAfee, and of course we get Austin Theory instead who I still think has a ton of potential and I think that has a, an upside and a, and a bright future. Hopefully he doesn't get the original Drew McIntyre treatment where Drew was kind of that chosen one and then ended up kind of floundering and then going away for a long time and then coming back. But, um, you know, Vince comes out and ends up uh, getting in the match or getting into the ring and, and, and having, I guess, a, a, a quick little impromptu match. I say quick even though... It, it did kind of drag out. I do agree with you on that part of it. Um, but then, you know, Austin comes out to save the day. So several kind of things to unpack here. I'm guessing you were not a fan of seeing nearly 80-year-old Vince McMahon getting in the ring and, and having a match. And I, and I get it. I mean, I would be, I would probably be critical of this, uh, you know, had any other person of that age gotten into the ring and, and, and tried to have a match. Um, but for me, again, it's part of that, you know, it is what it is. It's fun. It's entertaining. I was entertained by it, at least. Um, and again, it was that throwback to the to the late 90s and, and seeing Vince McMahon in the ring again. Yeah. I, you know, I you, you, had, you mentioned it and I, I tweeted it that the match with McMahon reminded me of McMahon Hart from WrestleMania 27 and mm. oh, yeah, Bull from that. WrestleMania 28, where matches that should be like three, four minutes tops go for 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's just, it's overkill at that point. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about celebrities, Pat McAfee, um, apparently, I guess, is a celebrity. I had never heard of him before he joined <laughs> WWE. Um, I mean, he played for the Colts and he was a kicker. Yeah. <laughs> cares uh but he's he's another one that you know in the two or three matches that he's had in wwe has really been impressive and you know had he i don't know why he didn't go full-time wrestler if it's because of his you know his podcast and and stuff he does outside of the ring and i think he's he's transitioned into probably the best announcer or you know play-by-play guy or color commentator that wwe has and, and so he's another one that exceeded expectations in the ring. But, yeah, the match with with McMahon, I mean, and I know we're all aging. We all get there. But McMahon just looks so old and so out of it. And there was even the spot after the match where Austin Theory's music hit and McMahon sold it like it was Steve Austin's music. Mm-hmm. Because he'd, I don't know if he forgot that they were going to play Theory's music first or what. But then, you know, it's just... And then that, I mean, when when it came time to take the stunner, I think hopefully Vince learned he his time in the ring is, has passed. Yeah. We do not see him again. And, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was bad overall. Like, the, the McAfee, McAfee Theory stuff, fine. But the Vince McMahon stuff just left a sour taste in my mouth so do you okay so then when when the music finally does hit the broken glass sounds and and stone cold comes out you know we, we've seen it in the past where some of the legends have come back you know wrestlemania 25 for example when it was chris jericho in that uh three-on-one handicap match against rowdy yeah. rowdy piper ricky steamboat and jimmy snuka you know jericho beat all three of them and you know we've seen um I'm trying to think of another instance where the legend came back and kind of passed the torch and and put the younger talent over. But, you know, in this case... No, I mean, the most famous one would be Rock Hogan. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I don't know how I forgot about that one, because I was thinking Rock... I'm sorry, I was thinking Hogan and um, 
Shawn Michaels and Hogan and, and Randy Orton, but Hogan <laughs> prevailed in both of those. So, but yeah, that's another great example. Um, Austin comes back, you know, and I think this is where we're going to disagree. I don't think Austin winning hurt Kevin Owens at all. Um, I, when they pushed it and made it the main event, I knew Austin was going to win because they were not going to send all those people in, in Dallas, Texas, where Austin's career started. They were not going to send them home uh, unhappy. And Austin really, in, in his defense too, I think, never had that finality. You know, when, when he wrestled that last match at, at WrestleMania 19? No. Yeah, WrestleMania 19. Uh, you know, was it? no, it wasn't WrestleMania. What WrestleMania was it? Yeah. It was 19, yeah. 15, okay. 17, and 19 yeah. were the... Uh, when the he wrestled that match awesome. at WrestleMania 19, and I just listened to the podcast on this, so I'm like, why can I not remember it? Anyway, you know, we didn't know. He didn't know. Well, I think he might have known, but nobody else knew that that was going to be it. And, you know... You look at Ric Flair's last WWE match and, and the fanfare around it. And, you know, The Undertaker, even though that Boneyard match was technically, I guess, his last match, they they still celebrated and, and did a lot uh, that year at the did, Survivor Series. Did Undertaker wrestle in Saudi Arabia after that? Well, did he? I yeah. thought the Boneyard match was, was his last match, but maybe, you might be right about that. Um, but, you know, his... his the point being, Austin's career just kind of came to an end without having that finality. And I know he still came out and did things and stunned people and, you know, was the commissioner and did stuff with Eric Bischoff and whatever for a bit. But, uh, you know, Steve Austin, and, and here's going to be my maybe controversial statement of the day. Um, I've always maintained that Ric Flair is my, my all-time favorite, but I'm telling you, Steve Austin, after this past weekend and just kind of reliving a lot of those memories and stuff, I'm really, and, and Flair's not doing himself any favors, I don't think, on social media or on his podcast uh, the last couple of years. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really, Austin is, is, to me, you know, he might be the man now. I, I just really enjoyed what he did. Um, and, and then seeing kind of the behind the scenes stuff as well. I just, I don't know. I, I am really, uh, was really impressed overall with his performance. And then the next night, you know, considering he's 57 years old and hasn't wrestled, really wrestled in, in almost 20 years. I, you know, to me, he deserves some props. Yeah. He, I mean, he looked as good as he did when he was he was wrestling um i'm a little surprised that you said it wasn't until they announced this was going to be the main event that that you realized austin was going to win because where i i think part of why we differ on this opinion is like you mentioned how often does the older guard come in and pass the torch and especially austin coming back after 19 years um, like I said, he never got the proper send off and the fact that every time Austin has been on TV in the last 19 years, it always ends with, you know, kick to the gut, stunner, beer drinking, Austin standing tall. Like that's just the, the blueprint of, of an Austin appearance. So, uh, I mean, so as soon as Kevin Owens started calling out Austin and it was confirmed that that was going to be the match, I knew Austin was going to. You know, I shouldn't say I knew. I should say I figured that Austin was going to be standing tall at the end of the night, especially since it was in Texas. Right. Um, well, and, and, and me... that's that's where I think my and I can see your point of hey, this was the final send off for Austin, mm-hmm. and, and and I get it, and so that's why, and probably because I also understand that you know, I mean, my one two three sense has been around how long now? Eleven, almost twelve years. Almost twelve years. How long have we been complaining? Have I specifically yeah. been complaining about WWE's booking? Eh, probably about fourteen years. Yeah. And so it's just at the point where I'm like, you know, nothing's going to change. I get it. Move on. But I think it speaks to the bigger issue of whenever they bring back these Attitude Era stars, that they're always presented as bigger than the current roster. Yeah. I, and I see that. You know, you know, it was like when Rock came back and faced Cena. Well, Rock had to go over that first match. And, yes, it led to Once in a Lifetime Part 2, which still think should be a class action lawsuit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that that's my problem. That, that's my issue is 
stop treating your current guys as inferior. Okay, let me let me go back and just and I feel like a politician now. So <laughs> when I when I said that about Austin, when like I didn't think even until they actually did it, I didn't think they were going to have a match just based on the well, things... and, I mean, do they actually have a match or do they just have a, I mean, I guess it's an Austin style match because ever yeah. since the pile driver by Owen, that was pretty much all Austin turned into was punch kicks. Yeah. Stutters, so it, it was more than what I had expected. I thought, you know, they would sit there, they would go, go back and forth, insult each other. Kind of like when Austin was on Piper's pit back at WrestleMania 21, you know, um, and then Austin would deliver the stunner and and you know celebrate when when they pushed it and said that that was going to be the last thing on the show um but i i think that some cold steve austin falls into that category of of a hulk hogan where you know look at all the years that hogan came back and you know that same wrestlemania that i just mentioned with rowdy piper and and austin you know hogan was there too and came out and and put the boots to um muhammad hassan and davari uh to save eugene and you know because the fans eat that moment up and I and I don't think that I think that WWE is obviously producing a product for that group that is watching and enjoying it in the moment and not really looking at it and and thinking about it and, but you do make a valid point because you know during the attitude era we wouldn't have seen Tito Santana or Pedro Morales or the Junkyard Dog or any of those you know 80s guys 70s and 80s guys come in and run roughshod over them. So I do agree with you on that. And, you know, the year that we were at, at Dallas, the last year we were at WrestleMania for 32, when when Austin, Mick Foley, and Shawn Michaels came out and, and destroyed the New Day and the League of Nations, uh, you know, I get it. I, I But it, it's in that little vacuum moment, It it and it didn't hurt anybody, I don't think, long term, but it is that kind of sign of, like, Okay, so 20 years from now, or 15 years from now, are we going to see Kofi Kingston or Big E or Drew McIntyre show up and ruin the show for whomever the top dog is at that point? I would say probably yes, if they keep coming back. But, um, uh, yeah, I had a thought in there, and I completely (laughs) lost it. But... uh, yeah, it's just this thing where the let me let me try to find the thought. Having these guys come back and uh, I know okay, got it. Go go for two. it. <laughs> Take two. Um, yeah, you you hit on something there that um, I agree. You know, I think we've talked about this before. Is there are two different WWE audiences that are watching. There's the live audience in the arena, mm-hmm. and then there's the audience watching at home. And that live audience, if you bring out any former star, is going to go wild. Because, especially if you know if it's a surprise or just the fact that that person isn't on the show every week. So to get you know that experience, they're going to go crazy. So even if you brought back, um, well... I mean, I get, this may not be the best example, but if you brought back the New Age Outlaws, people mm-hmm. are going to go crazy because they got the catchphrase to you know to yeah. chant along to and whatnot. And, and I'm, I say that because I don't consider New Age Outlaws to be main event type, I, even though they're you know they were very popular. Um, but it's the same reason, like, and, and I'm not trying to draw everything to AEW, but when CM Punk you know, first came into AEW and they were putting him on the show every week just to talk because that live audience wanted to see CM Punk. And I think, you know, as a fan watching at home, those segments got repetitive and it's like, Mm -hmm. just let him come out and speak during a commercial break or let him talk after the show for the audience in person. I don't need that on TV. And so I think that's where, um, you know, and, and that's a hard balance to strike between, for any wrestling promotion is catering to both sets of audiences without, you know, the, the people at home, like, and maybe I'm projecting here. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm tired of the attitude era nostalgia where, Oh my gosh, these are the greatest wrestlers ever always coming in and going over. 
you know, and if like I say, if you want to do that, do it during a commercial break, let them come out and beat people up just for the people in the arena. And to your point, I don't know, from like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I don't think Austin, um, or I'm sorry. I don't think Kevin Owens really loses anything. I think he's been built to a point, you know, unlike Muhammad Hassad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, and, and it, you could say the same with Sami Zayn and, and, Johnny Knoxville match. Both of them are kind of bulletproof at this point. They've established themselves well enough to, hey, it's one loss. And, and like, you know, you look at it and say, well, it was a loss to Steve Austin, you know, the, the greatest wrestler of the last generation. So I think Owens will be fine going forward. No one's going to, you know, care that he lost to Austin a month from now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is tricky. It's just it's it's one of those. It's a weird thing about wrestling uh, as a whole. I mean, there are many things that are weird about wrestling and, and why it's different than most sports, but or entertainment. But I, I think the different audiences is, is a big factor. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy Smith won't stroll onto the field anytime soon, and you know. Uh, make a catch or, or hit a home run, you know what I mean? Or you may come out and I don't know if he can still do the backflip, but if he did the backflip, the crowd would go crazy and that's all you need from. Yeah. And so the same way, I guess Austin comes out and hits a stunner and that's all you need. Yeah. The the one thing of your points that I, I kind of disagree with is while I agree with like the whole, um, repetitiveness of punk coming out, for example, and, and talking on dynamite or on rampage and the fact that they promoted that the way that they did, especially since Punk is a, a pretty active wrestler still on their roster, um, or you know when you said you know have the the Attitude Era guy come out and, and do his thing during a commercial break so the live audience gets it but not the the people at home. But I got to tell you, and I know you're not into TikTok, but the number of people you know wrestling fans on TikTok that are making videos of their reaction to you know, CM Punk coming out on his debut or Austin coming out that night or whoever it is. I mean, there's a big, you know, there's a big group of folks that just are eating that kind of stuff up from home as well. But I do think, you you know, like you said, you walk a very fine line of, is this too much? Are we, are we you know, have we jumped the shark, so to speak? And, and you know, at some point, I th- I do think that, and again, I don't watch AEW every week. I do follow the recaps and, and get the, the stuff on online like I do with WWE. Um, so that being said, I, I you know I don't know that AEW is still doing weekly punk promos and, and whatnot, but I, I think it served its purpose. And, and people who didn't know who he was, I don't know that anyone in the AEW fan fandom didn't know who Punk was, but you know, maybe they've scaled that back and, and, and are letting uh, others come out there and, and, and do their thing. But, I, you know, again, it's depending on who you're trying to serve. And allegedly, you know, WWE is serving one master being Vince McMahon, where Tony Khan is, is trying to, you know, allegedly make the fans happy. So it, it, it it's a, a delicate balancing act. And, and, to me, this past WrestleMania, WrestleMania 38, um, you know, I think it's one of the best shows that they've done in the last several years, at least. Um, and really, it, I would have loved to have been there for this Mania just to see Austin for that that last time. And, and Triple H, let's talk about him for a minute, too. You know, he was, whether you loved him or hated him, and I, you know, during that Attitude Era... I loved him during the Attitude Era. I liked the DX concept, the DX Triple H, the first incarnation of it. But then after that, and and kind of that authority Triple H, I I I personally didn't get into it. And then with the reunion with Shawn Michaels, you know, I I was kind of over it. But then as he became the NXT, the face of NXT, as far as that kind of trainer or, or you know whatever the force behind NXT. I appreciated it. I had a newfound respect for him. And when he came out and, and left his boots, to me, that was a very poignant moment of the night. Uh, yeah, I missed that moment. I, I got home right as it was ending and started watching. And, you know, going back to the DX reunion, I think it kind of speaks back into the jackass thing, where yeah. 
while it was popular in the original, you know, back in the 90s, because, and maybe it's our age, you know, our age too, being in our early 20s, early mid-20s at that time, you're like, oh, this is funny, uh, haha, cool, and now you're just like, okay, you guys are in, near your 50s, <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't work, it's saying, you know, like, Dumb and Dumber was a funny movie, Dumb yeah. and Dumber 2, not funny, because now they're just these old, creepy guys yeah. doing the same thing, and, and I think, you know, at, to my point earlier, the DX stuff had become so repetitive where you're just like, okay, yeah, okay, make your dick jokes, make your fart jokes, you know, Vince loves cock, ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah, that didn't work for me. I, you know, I think it is kind of, um, I guess, sad that Triple H didn't get the send-off that, you know, that, that last final match, because I believe his final match was in Japan teaming with... Um, Nakamura against Samoa Joe and Robert Roode, if I remember yeah. correct. So, you know, like there's some random house show match. Um, but, but I do think that Triple H, you know, probably did earn himself some goodwill with what NXT was yeah. and, and, and be behind that. And, you know, I don't begrudge him again because it's, it's, it's a company that I have nothing to do with. So I can not like stuff, but, they're not going to change to suit my whim. Um, but I think Triple H d- does – Triple H, the uh, trainer, mentor person, cares more about the business, if, if this makes sense, more about the business than Triple H, the wrestler. Because I think Triple H, the wrestler, plays into the wrestling ego too much of I'm the game, I'm the greatest, whereas the trainer is like, hey, you know, I – you guys need to go out there and entertain the crowd or, you know, you got to get the fans coming back week after week. So there's more, uh, I have a conscious effort maybe to, you know, to train and make the guys as good as they can be. No, I agree. I think you're a hundred percent, hit the nail on the head with that. And, you know, it kind of, this is a reference I know that you'll get, um, it, it reminded me, you know, like the DX stuff and, and some of the other things that, that have happened before is, is the episode of The Simpsons where Bart does the, I didn't do it. And it became like that catchphrase. And then it was like, say the line, Bart, say the line. And yeah. sometimes it, wrestling uh, specifically kind of falls into that where it's like, we've seen this, like the happy Corbin and, and Drew McIntyre. You know, it's like, we, we get it. We've seen it. We've done it, you know. And, and I get doing that on the house show circuit where you, you have a new audience every every time you're there. But doing it for the masses on TV every week, it, it does get old and repetitive. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that's the fact that, you know, WWE, too, also lays out their matches. Like, you know, everyone joked about uh, Bret Hart and John Cena having the five moves of doom. You know, they have their these signature moves that they do kind of in order in every match. And a lot, a lot of wrestlers do that. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I'm not as entertained with WWE right now is because you can call, you know, you know, okay, if they spill out to the outside of the ring, that's the cue for the commercial break. Right. You you know, it's so, uh, formulaic and so produced down to the moment. And then, uh, you know, Roman Reigns is the character is entertaining when he's speaking, but when he gets into the ring to actually go, I'm like, I, I couldn't tell you the last Roman Reigns match that I, I cared about because to me, he is the worst of everyone of having their signature moves and, and only their signature moves. You know, it's like Superman punch spear, occasional drive-by Superman punch, Superman punch, spear, spear, you know, and, and his match with Lesnar, I, I, and I, I, you know, I think there's, he, there's reports that, uh, Reigns got injured and so they went home early, but I don't know about you, but that match was so uninteresting as a main, like as a main event, the Austin stuff from night one was way more entertaining, even though it was repetitive as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and that and that kind of also falls into the nostalgia, you know, I, I think for the first time since, uh, and someone will correct me if I'm wrong, for the first time since Rock Austin, I think Lesnar, 
um, Reigns is the only other match to have three WrestleMania, uh, be part of three WrestleManias. Um, yeah, I believe so. So, and, and you know, and, and granted, Rock Austin happened three times in five years. Lesnar uh, Reigns happened three times in seven years, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even I didn't even remember the second match that they had. I didn't either. I actually and, looked it up. And yeah. the first match is only memorable because Seth Rollins cashed in Money in the Bank. Right. Yeah, you know, I feel like you know WWE is trying, obviously, and and I do think that sometimes they lean too much on the nostalgia, but uh, you know. Again, nostalgia is, is, I've heard it said before, it's a hell of a drug. And, you know, I felt, and I was in my 20s during the Attitude Era, so it's not like I felt like a kid again. It wasn't like, you know, Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the Giant and, and bringing back those memories. But, I, you know, I do have uh, some favorable memories of the Attitude Era, even though a lot of it was this mishmash of stuff that, you know, everybody had a role and everybody had a character. And I, I do think when you sit down and you look back on that golden era of the 80s and into the early 90s, I have a much clearer picture and can remember. And I think there was a lot less to consume back then. We've talked about that before, too. I could name the first 10 WrestleManias each match. I couldn't go back and probably name the last three WrestleMania matches. I, this year I could just because it just happened, but I couldn't tell you probably five matches that happened at, at last year's WrestleMania, just because there's so much out there to consume, and I'm not obviously as invested as I once was, but, um, you know, that that's not to say that I want Hulk Hogan to come back, and I know that he has said that he will never wrestle again. And um, But, you know, for what it was with Austin and, and Kevin Owens back tying back to that, uh, I enjoyed it, I had fun with it, and... Uh, and again, I think it helps when, when it is someone that you like. You know, if, like you said, if if DX or if um, uh, the New Age Outlaws would have come back, I mean, and they did a few years ago as well, but it wouldn't have had the same value to me. While I liked the New Age Outlaws, I was not a fan, a super fan of them. So I, I, I think, you know, it does come down to, to who you enjoy in the moment and, and who you like, you know, when Riddle comes back in 2048, you know, I'll pop if I'm still alive. But, you know, uh, you know, if, if, uh, Baron Corbin comes back in 2048, I'm going to change the channel or whatever way we're consuming stuff. Right. <laughs> no, and that's, I mean, that is a factor too is yes. You know, cause like for me, if I'm watching, WWE, AEW, Impact, whatever, and Shark Boy comes out, I'm going to pop mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I like Shark Boy. But if um, I'm trying to think of someone that was really popular over the last couple of years, um, I don't know. You know, if, if The Rock comes back, I enjoy The Rock. I enjoy Dwayne Johnson, Young Rock, great show. But The Rock is another one that I'm. Uh, you know, I'm over the nostalgia of seeing The Rock come back and be The Rock, and and yeah, it, it's amusing, it's entertaining, but to me, that just takes time away from promoting your current roster and making them stars. And and you're just saying like, you know, it's you know, I, I, when you mentioned this topic, I got to thinking about it because, as you said in the intro, I I am very into nostalgia. You know, I love the '80s. Um, and I will go see bands that have not put out – you know, I just saw Billy Joel, and I did not realize this until um, looking at Billy Joel's discography. Billy Joel has not put out a new album in 30 years. Wow. You know, sitting at the concert, uh, with the exception of Zanzibar, every single show that song that he played, I enjoyed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because it was my first time seeing Billy Joel live, and so you get that – you know, again, that goes into the live experience portion of seeing something, but, or if, you know, music is different than wrestling, but I guess, you know, it'd be like a comedian. If you see a comedian, um, you know, and and this is an example that I didn't actually realize because, um, until a few months ago, Ron White, you remember Tater Salad from the, yeah, yeah. uh, okay. If you go back and look up his comedy acts from the eighties, 
he's doing the exact same jokes today that he was doing then. Mm. But if you didn't know, you know, you hadn't followed him from the eighties, it's new to you. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a fan and you keep going to his show and it's like, Oh yeah, I've heard this joke. I've heard this joke. You know, it, it's a weird, um, entertainment, uh, slice. What am I trying to say? It's, it, it's, it, different forms of entertainment are different, uh, aspects of nostalgia. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And, and, you know, um, I, I guess the other beauty part of that is, is, you know, you look at, and I, I and I was going to look up the numbers, but, uh, just to see what merch sales were like over WrestleMania weekend. And I don't even know if there's a report on that or not, but you know, the NWO was at its peak 25 years ago, but they're still selling a shit ton of, of NWO, uh, merchandise and when they add you know new figures or new t-shirts or new whatever i mean at one point they had a a, a set of uh bar stools you know and they had austin 316 and and nwo along with roman reigns and and um you know some of the the current guys so there's definitely i feel like there's you know because there's kids that are showing up wearing NWO stuff that obviously were not fans. So that's, I think, where it was very wise to create the WWE Network. And, and you know, again, the Peacock interface sucks, but I think that giving people, you know, giving kids that are in high school now or even younger an opportunity to go back and look, and then you are able to repurpose some of that merch and, and, and relive that nostalgia. And again, that's where I think nostalgia sells. You know, you look now and go to the stores and walk through the toy aisle. There's a lot of stuff there that is more for collectors that, that are people you're in my age right. that, you know, we had these toys when we were kids, but we opened them up and played with them and, and sold them in a yard sale or lost them or broke their arms off or whatever. And now, you know, now I could buy this for my kid to play with and I'm going to buy one for myself and put it on a, you know, our friend Jim Sweeney is a classic example of this. You know, we, we, we didn't have the uh, means to do it when we were younger, but now everything seems to be making a comeback. You know, WWE's partnered with the masters of the universe line and they're, they're, you know, doing those style figures or the whole new masters of the universe stuff in, in general. It's, it's amazing to me that the things that are out there that, we can get our hands on that. Maybe we thought when we were kids, once this was gone, it was gone, but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it made me think of a meme that was out a few months ago where it was like a toy ad and it's like coming this year, the same stuff we sold you 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. And it's, you know, it is, I think the collector aspect has taken on uh, more of a prominence over the last few years. And that's why, I think also along with the technology of making better figures, mm-hmm. you know, the the WWE or AEW action figures that are on the market now are a lot more realistic than the LGN and Hasbro figures that you and I grew up with. Right, right. So I can understand, yeah, they, they probably take cost a little bit more to to make and and more time more time to make as well because you don't just make a mold of Jesse Ventura posing his bicep pour in your plastic, let it set, and then paint it. Yeah. You have to do each articulate, articulate um, piece of the body. And, you know, and unfortunately, I mean, if I had a kid that was into wrestling and wanted to collect wrestling figures, like, I mean, you got to take out a loan to to get the WWE roster. Right. You know, that doesn't even count, you know, the, the nostalgic characters that they come out with. Right. Um, well, and I picked up the um, LJN version of Cody Rhodes over the mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and I didn't, you know, I had not, I'd never seen it. Well, I saw it the other day and I, I passed on it and I saw it a second time and I'm like, okay, this is a sign. Because uh, I, you know, when I was a kid, I loved going to the store and finding those LJNs in the wild, you know, so to speak, where... You, you didn't have to, you know, because toward the end of the LJN run, I had to order them um, from the back of a wrestling magazine. They I couldn't find them in stores. So 
when I saw that LJN of, of Cody, it reminded me of those days when I was a kid and my parents would take me to the local Kmart and, you know, I'd find the Andre the Giant figure or we'd go to um, KB Toys at the mall and there was Rowdy Rowdy Piper. You know, it reminded me of those moments. And so I bought it. It was 20 bucks, which, mm. you know, back in the day, those LJNs, I think, were like five or six. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's you know, and I, it, I bought it more, again, for the nostalgia, not because, oh, you know, Cody's in WWE now and he's more valuable. But to me, when I was buying those figures as a kid or getting them as Christmas gifts or birthday presents, I wasn't buying them because I liked necessarily liked the performer you know i i didn't care about ted rcd but i wanted that figure <laughs> so ted rcd is the greatest champion that never was <laughs> so i have all these you know these ljn figures from from my childhood that you know i look back at that collection now and i have bought a couple um online since then um but i look back at it and i'm like you know i wonder how collectors today are you know or kids today are because like you said there's I mean, they. I think they've released just about everybody that's ever wrestled in WWE, as far as like the current roster goes. Um, and the basics are like ten bucks, but those elite figures are twenty plus dollars. So yeah. it it would be tough to be. You know, when we did the toy drive for for Christmas time, and spoiler alert, that's coming up again this year as well. So, uh, you know, we had one guy that donated over one hundred and fifty toys. Denny Howell, you know. And some of them were from his collection that he was just kind of purging. But, you yeah, know, he went out and bought a bunch as well. And it, it's not a say Some of those probably fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so joking, it, I'm joking. Yes. Yeah, we know. Yes, Chad is joking. Um, so, yeah, it becomes a, a very uh, expensive hobby, to say the very least. You know, you listen to the Major Wrestling Figure podcast and you hear, I mean, there's new toy lines that are developing and, and building and and creating figures based on that nostalgia you know they're doing jeff jarrett from the the 90s and they're doing sabu and andre the giant and those those guys from the past so again that nostalgia it's all about the nostalgia i think um in the in the wrestling figure market for sure yeah and i don't know how where we are on time and and how much longer we go but i'm gonna throw out a, a question slash theory slash observation and, and you can tell me if you know if if you think I'm in the right ballpark or, uh, or not, but um, nostalgia seems to be more popular with the Gen X crowd or, yeah. I mean, and I say that meaning that the generations before us didn't have, didn't seem to have the nostalgia bug that we have now. And is that because of technology so that, you know, when, you know, living in the eighties, other than some TV shows that were on, you know, reran on chan on local channels, someone that grew up in the fifties couldn't go back and watch, you know, shows that weren't popular. Mm -hmm. You know, you had your, I love Lucy's and, um, the honeymooners and whatnot. But now with all the streaming sites with DVDs in the last, you know, 20 years, more niche, uh, marketing has come out niche programming has come out mm -hmm. and so um you know there there's kind of a peter pan syndrome i think that goes along with this where the gen x crowd and younger are growing up in a world where they don't have to leave the childhood behind right you can, you can continue loving the things that you love because you have access to them now that we didn't have before so do you think that's a a factor in the nostalgia like if i couldn't just go on amazon music and pull up bands from the 80, 80s that maybe i didn't hear their full albums of you know and i would still have to go out and buy cassettes or cds or i couldn't go to the wwe network and watch you know all the past major shows and primetime wrestling would i still have that nostalgia would it be a stronger would i just be like oh man i enjoyed this as a kid but now let me move forward it, you know it's kind of like maybe nostalgia is hindering us from advancing mentally and emotionally as people. I think that's a great point. And it's funny that you bring it up because with my kids, you know, I, I look back at, you know, what they had as, as, you know, 
toy wise and you know i have i still have boxes of toys from my childhood that you know i just one is kind of being a pack rat but you know i'm married to a minimalist who does not like any of that kind of stuff so i think my kids kind of picked up on some of that and but their you know their toy collections you know when they were kids they would get christmas gifts it, it was you know the Game Boy, and then a game, you know, games for the Game Boy, or the Wii, and then they would get video, you know what I mean? So it's mm. not like, they, they uh, you know, the technology changed the game, and so they were, are doing more of the higher tech kind of things. Now they have some, you know, my, my oldest has a big Lego collection, so that's kind of his thing. Middle kid doesn't really have anything like that, and then my daughter has some dolls and stuff that, that she's held on to, but... Besides that, there's not that nostalgia, I don't think. And and the other night, I was in the car with my middle son, who was 20, and we were listening to the radio. And um, I said, "Oh man, I had this." It was the quote unquote oldie station, and I'm like, "Oh man, I had this on on vinyl when I was a kid." And you know, I'm saying, and he's like, looking at me like I'm crazy. And he goes, "You know, nowadays, whenever I want to listen to something, I can just." do it on my phone. I can look it up on YouTube. I can download it from whatever. And, you know, you're right. If I wanted to listen to my favorite song as a kid, I had to go to the store, buy the album, whether it's a 45 or, you know, an album, and then come back and play it on my record player. I could record it and then put it into my Walkman. So then I kind of had it whenever I wanted, but I couldn't instantly find it. I would have to fast forward or rewind to find that song. Um, and nowadays, kids, you know, kids don't know what it was like back then. And I'm not saying our life was terrible or hard or whatever, but I do think, like, to your point, or what I think was your point, is technology has changed a lot of that for us. So, um, but yeah, we can go and, and access those things that we loved growing up a lot easier. And kids today that are growing up don't know, you know, my daughter binge-watched Friends multiple times and you know and i was telling her i'm like you know i had to wait three months to find out what ross was going to do after rachel said his name at or after he said rachel's name at his wedding to emily and you know she just couldn't understand that 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 was the kind of the way it was yeah and i think that you know going forward that's going to be the interesting thing because i think you and i have had conversations i've had conversations with other friends about you know, in 20, 30 years, what is the nostalgia going to be for the current teen generation? You know, because like going back to music, you know, and maybe this is just me, but because I have access to so much music, I don't listen to music the way that I used to. I don't become involved with music. It just, okay, this is what's popular now. Okay. And then you move on to the next thing and then the next thing. And um, you know, so that's where I'm like, you know, in 20 years, you know, I, for my, you know, I said, I just went and saw Billy Joel, who's been performing, I think he's on his 50th anniversary of, you know, his first album. Um, last October, I went and saw James Taylor and Jackson Brown, who have been around 50 years, you know, in 2050, which bands from the 2000s are still going to be out touring that people are going to pay, you know, to go see an arena and granted the way technology is going, who knows if concerts will even be the same by the point, but you know, it's, everything seems, um, disposable now. And that's, I think a very interesting aspect for nostalgia purposes, because if you, if everything is disposable, you don't get an attachment to anything. So do you care about things long-term? Very well said, and and we'll end it on that thought. And we want to hear from you. What do you think? What are you nostalgic about? Do you are you into nostalgia? I know that there's a wide range of, of ages that listen to this podcast. So I I think to your point and to to your theory, you know, people our age and older are going to be more nostalgic. I think than than people in their twenties and and thirties uh, because of you know that attachment and, and and like you said it's everything's kind of disposable right now you can you can listen or we can listen whenever we want or watch whenever we want and you know with the exception of paying a, a small price for 
a streaming service, it's it's relatively inexpensive to to recreate or relive those memories from from just a few years ago. Well, I think based on that statement, I think I'm going to go find a 1980s TV guide and start watching shows on the days that they aired at the times that they aired and so that I can totally relive my childhood. There you go. There you go. Well, Chad, thanks again for being a part of this week's podcast. Friends, again, we want to hear from you. Let us know. Also, rate and review the show and let us know what you think on your favorite listening device. Friends, thanks again for listening, and we will talk again next week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.